There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Hi, this is Jim White, and thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. On this episode, myself and Simon discuss the possibility of Julian Nagelsmann becoming the next Tottenham Hotspur manager. Broadcaster Konstantin Eckner joins us and explained what those within German football think of this man Nagelsmann. And boxing promoter Kala Sauerland spoke with us in studio regarding what might be next for his man, Chris Eubank Jr. Simon, a lot to get through and Tottenham continues to be in the news and now we hear and has this surprised you Simon even this early reports this morning that Tottenham have made contact with Julian Nagelsmann's representative and now in, in due course are starting the process of finding a successor to, to Conte who left the club on Sunday night well you, you can run both arguments if they weren't looking for successors there'll be a narrative saying what are they doing if they are looking at the successors then they're being a bit precipitous look I suggested and floated the idea that Nagelsmann wait what about Spurs and everyone sort of went mm, about that the fact he's spoken to them previously the big thing for Daniel uh, insofar as Daniel is the determining factor in what success Tottenham have is how he interacts with the person coming through the door he will have learned you know lessons I'm sure from employing two on paper heavyweight managers that were nailed on winners and neither one of them have delivered an outcome and everyone will blame Daniel and that's fine I'm not going to get into that dispute for the purpose of this conversation yeah, but yeah. what he will have learned from that is I've got to find someone that can embody what I want to achieve and achieve something with it now if Nagelsmann fits the per- you know obviously the, the young man is a very capable individual he's 35 years of age you know there's argue- there's debates about his personality and how he gets on with people so if he doesn't get on with a Bayern Munich crowd because of certain things there's a distinct, distinct possibility he might not get on with Daniel Levy but the bottom line is the guy seems to be a very top manager and Again, Spurs 
will want a top manager. They need a top manager, but they need a top manager that can complete some form of task that builds to a point where Tottenham can actually win something right. and push back on this argument that nobody cares about winning anything. They only care about being inside the top four. We're going we're gonna to find out more about Nagelsmann uh, in the next part. From Germany, we're going to speak to the uh, German broadcaster, extremely articulate, Konstantin Eckner. He joined us last week. Mm-hmm. Konstantin is ready to go and he'll join us shortly on all things Nagelsmann. Let me ask you this, Simon, this morning. One or two people asked me last night is to- is the Tottenham job still an a- still an appealing one in world football? Of course it is. They were top five Premier League sides. They're, sorry, top four Premier League sides. They finished. But they're the not t- serial winners. No, neither are lots of football teams that people want to go and manage and, and be in the Premier League and manage one of these big football clubs. And you've got big names. Carlo Ancelotti went and managed Everton for God's sakes. What was the last thing they won? So there's course, of course there's appeal for these football clubs. Of course there's a, a determination to be inside there. And like everybody else, everybody that signed George Best, everybody that signed Paul Gascoigne thought, I'll get a tune out of these fellas that other people couldn't have done. I'll be able to manage this personality in these disruptive ways. So everybody will believe that I'll be able to go into Tottenham and I'll be able to want to win something and I'll be, there, I'll be the one to be able to work for Daniel Levy. I mean, people take the Watford job, left, right and centre. Right, there's a queue of people every time Watford sacks somebody for another job to be available to another manager that's known by people. You're right. Nobody says no thanks. And a Tottenham job is a big job. Two hundred million. I mean, let's. I mean, whether Spurs fans agree with me or not, and I'm sure a lot of them don't. Two hundred million pounds in three transfer windows for Anton- Antonio Conte isn't chopped liver. It's two hundred million quid. Yeah. The fact that the Conte is the big story, and the fact that he wants to put out press releases, how wonderful he had. He was bitching about the Tottenham fans a week ago. Now all of a sudden he wants to thank them for their support. But is there not a chance, Simon, that Nagelson looks at it and thinks, mm, "I'm just checking out what's going on before me. Why did it not work out for Conte? Why did it not work out for Mourinho?" If I was a top flight manager and I was looking around at my options, and Real Madrid were an option, I'd take Real Madrid over, over Tottenham if Real Madrid were an option, right? Because Real Madrid are a different football club with a different dynamic and they operate in a league where either they or Barcelona win the league, right? Right. Let's have it right. Right. So I'll take Real Madrid. If I was a top flight manager looking around wanting to manage in the Premier League and the options were Tottenham and not many other people, I would back myself to be the difference between what other people have achieved and ultimately what I could achieve. I'd go in and say, I'm the difference. I'll be the difference. I'll bring this chairman with me one way or t'other. I'll get Daniel Levy to see the error of his ways. I'll get Daniel Levy to give me more money than other people have been able to achieve. I'll build a football club with him. I'll understand the dynamics of what I'm being brought in to achieve. I'll work with the ownership model. And then I'll bring an outcome, maybe like Arteta's done. That's probably what Conte thought, though, Simon, when he went in there. Yeah, but Conte is a completely different character. Conte is a combustible, in-the-moment, temperamental personality that is all about himself. You need to have the balance between being all about yourself and being about the others as well. And the others mean managing up, managing down. Supposedly, all of these managers can manage down. A lot of them can't manage up. Well, seemingly, Conte can't manage down either because Mm. he's done nothing but slaughter his own players, done nothing but create a culture inside that football club that looks like every single part of it. Whichever window you look through at Tottenham, according to Conte, it's a losing mentality. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Conte is no longer of the Tottenham Parish. He is back in Italy and no doubt getting on with his life. And no doubt we will see him sooner than later in another high-profile position because that's what Antonio Conte does. But what about this man, Julian Nagelsmann? What is he all about? It's said in Germany, he is one combustible character. Is that what Tottenham really need? We're going to get a profile of him next. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. So we're talking Tottenham 
And uh, for the second day running, we begin the show uh, on on the very subject of this football club, uh, because on Sunday night at precisely eleven o'clock, Tottenham announced they parted company with Antonio Conte, and Conte now back in Italy. It's time for a new broom. Not just yet; the interim uh, management team that's already in place here will carry on in the meantime. But it, it is being uh, suggested already that approaches have been made, uh, albeit informally, uh, to represent of Julian Nagelsmann who also finds himself out of work over in Germany after being sacked by Bayern Munich just last week. This gentleman joined us last week the extremely articulate German football broadcaster Konstantin Eckner and joins us once again. Konstantin, good morning. What what uh, kind of news agenda has it been over in Germany since uh, your man Nagelsmann was sacked by Bayern? Of course, I mean, there have been some rumors uh, regarding, like, who could, who would Nagelsmann go next? What would he do next? Or how uh, would he plan his future? Because um, his plan was actually to be at Bayern for at least five years and then maybe go to Real Madrid or something. But that's out the window. So um, there is for the lot of speculation. And uh, as we have found out that Tottenham, that they have made first contact, not with him directly, because I, I think it wouldn't be a wise idea to speak to him directly right now. <laughs> I think when we talk about combustible personalities, I think he is combustible right now at this point in, in time. Uh, but they spoke to uh, one of his representatives uh, to at least establish a first contact. Uh, because as we as we know, Tottenham, they, they want to make plans for the future beyond June uh, for the for the next year, and uh, so Nagelsmann is on their list, and I guess close to the top at least. So you can confirm to us, Constantine, that the story we're talking about here is the same in Germany. There's a story running in Germany that indeed contact with Nagelsmann's people has has been made by Tottenham. Yeah, but uh, the German media likes to emphasize that um, Nagelsmann hasn't made any decision. He, he wants to take his time, and there are other moving pieces here. Um, his agent is uh, closely connected to Real Madrid, for instance, because Tony Kroos is also advised by the same agent. And Tony Kroos is one of the you know elder statesmen at Real Madrid and maybe one uh, someone who even has a future there beyond retirement. Uh, so and Nagelsmann considered the Real Madrid job uh, at the same time when he was uh, hired by Bayern Munich as one of the top-notch jobs. And I mean, I agree with what Simon just said, uh, that Tottenham, internationally speaking, is one of the top-tier clubs. But from Nagelsmann's side, there, there are some question marks there uh, from, from not only Nagelsmann, but his representatives regarding how competitive are Tottenham compared to the Manchester clubs and Liverpool and so on. Um, because there are some question marks. And I think they are, they are justified uh, because Tottenham are always seen a, a notch below uh, yeah, these, yeah. these other clubs. Yeah. Uh, Constantine, here is Simon. That's what I was going to ask you, Constantine, precisely that. What would What is the perception in Germany of a football club like Tottenham? Because in England we have this grandiose opinion of our Premier League and what our teams do and don't do and how much of a lure and luster teams that are in and around the top four will have. I made the argument that Real Madrid, if they come from Nagelsmann, they'll get him every day of the week over Tottenham. But in the German press, the idea of linking a once elite manager Nagelsmann at Bayern Munich with a Tottenham Hotspur, how would that play out in the German press? Would people be saying, hang on a second, Julian, what are you doing? Or would they be saying, hang on a second, you're landing at a big Premier League football club? It would be considered uh, a step below, not a, not a huge step below, but it would be considered a step below. Um, because the the perception over here in Germany is that, and, and I wouldn't compare the clubs directly, but the perception is that Tottenham is something like Bayer Leverkusen. Right. A, a, a club that may that makes head, uh, headlines and makes wave internationally 
almost every year. I mean, Tottenham, they were in the Champions League final in 2019, so four years ago. Uh, but still, they are not on, on uh, the eye level with Dortmund and uh, Bayern over here. And they are maybe even below RB Leipzig. And in England, they are below the two Manchester clubs, Liverpool, perhaps Arsenal, because of the uh, current situation. And there are also uh, question marks uh, if, if Nagelsmann goes to a club where he uh, so somehow uh, dives into not mediocrity, but, you know, that, uh, gets a club that maybe finishes fifth or sixth coming from a club that's actually competing for a Champions League title and will maybe win the German championship for the 30, uh, 31st time. So yeah, it's it would be considered a step below. It's not even something against Tottenham. It's more about because the competition in England is just so so tough and there are clubs uh, with investors that pumping money into these clubs like you pump gas into a... Even, the, even though Negelsmann is only 35 years of age and to some extent... At the, he's not a Carlo Ancelotti. He's not a. He managed a blue chip football club in Bayern Munich for eighteen months. But even though he's only thirty five, and at the beginning of his career, that perception would still be that he's on a trajectory of only what we consider to be blue chip clubs like Bayern or Madrid or the Manchester clubs or maybe even Liverpool. That, that's where you think he will. His positioning currently is amongst the German press. I think he is in is in a weird spot right now because at 35 years old he already managed Bayern Munich. Usually yeah. you are there later. And look at Thomas Tuchel. Now he gets to Bayern at 49. <laughs> that, that's kind of the normal way, right? That's the Carlo Angelotti way because these these guys like Carlo Angelotti he played for Milan uh, in, into the 90s and was a top tier player. And then he became a coach. And then he made first steps, step after step. Antonio Conte the same. Uh, and and Nagelsmann didn't have that kind of uh, playing career. He just uh, dove into coaching uh, in his early 20s and that's why he, he came to Bayern at uh, 34 and now it would be considered a step below because uh, what he did beforehand and also one, one thing to note maybe here because before he joined Bayern in 2021 his management and him they draw up a career plan for him maybe the next few steps and they actually at the time discussed before he joined Bayern that maybe it would be good for him to, to go to a let's see tier 2 club but you know, like Tottenham, a notch below the top tier level, and then go to Bayern or Real Madrid. But then Bayern called, and we know the rest is history. Okay, quite a lot of Tottenham fans getting in touch, listening to you this morning with us, Constantine, and one of them's asking me to ask you this: Please get Constantine to confirm to us that Nagelsmann, if he gets it. One of his priorities is to play entertaining football. Under Conte, as you probably know, Constantine, the criticism was, this guy doesn't play to win, he plays not to lose. What's Nagelsmann's um, philosophy there? When Nagelsmann joined, or when Nagelsmann was promoted to be a TSG Hoffenheim head coach at 28, Hoffenheim were, were battling relegation at the time in the Bundesliga. And what he did was not defending, not playing for one point. He, he just played attacking football and actually saved the club at the time. Oh. Uh, when our coach, when uh, highly exper experienced coaches like Hoop Stevens from Netherlands didn't do the same thing, he did it. He joined RB Leipzig. They played attacking st an attacking style. Sometimes, you know, they were countered and and, and, and beaten heavily or um, badly, but still he played attacking but football. But he goes for it. Bayern. Right. He, he goes, goes for it. it. Bayern I mean, the same, right? He tries at least. Const I mean, Constantine, in your view, how good are coaches? I mean, we've seen the reasons that they've been alluded to in the German press about the fact he's got a girlfriend in the press that they didn't like the confidentiality that may be being breached by the things he was telling her. But how good a coach is he? I think he's highly talented. I think talented is the is the right word there. Um, but he's still in in evolving personality. Even I mean, at thirty five, 
is he a finished personality? I don't think so. There, there's still like you know mature maturing process there, and also as a coach, I, I think he's still learning some things from from like what his ideas are and how he can analyze the game. He is already at the top level with with a lot of our coaches, but he's still like kind of learning how do I even apply my ideas? How do I not? tinker too much because it's sometimes what he does and also he ha- he needs to learn to listen to a few people at least because what he usually don't do uh, doesn't do is listening to others he just is uh, he's convinced that he's always right and that's something he has to get rid of a little bit because i think even the best coaches in the world even pep guardiola sometimes listens to his assistants or maybe his head of scouting or someone <laughs> and, and isn't convinced that he's always right welcome to the coliseum of confrontation outspoken with white and jordan It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Uh, Simon, last week, you, you emerged fairly unscathed from your scrap with one Eddie Hearn, and you quite enjoyed it, I think. You, you were looking back in it, the top boxing promoter. I thought it, I thought it was a good conversation. I didn't realise I was in a competition I didn't realise that I needed to run around, put my arm up in the air, and say I'd won something, like old matey boy. I don't know who he's trying to convince. What Eddie did afterwards? Well, well, apparently, he's trying to convince himself that he won something. Right. I don't know what he won. Why are you not wearing a polo neck? Uh, you know what, Cali Sowland? It's almost spring. You know. I didn't wear a polo neck today because I thought Cali Sowland would be wearing a, a polo neck. Of course, not real fur, but you know. If you're just tuning in, the voice you are hearing is that of. Uh, Callis Sauerland, Vassaman and uh, promoter of Chris Eubank Jr. and uh, amongst others, top boxing promoter. We were talking Eddie Hearn, of course. You no doubt tuned in, dipped into it, dipped out of it, stayed with it. What was your take on Hearn versus Jordan last week? I must admit, I did. I missed the live, so I had to go back at the weekend and my Sunday afternoon. Did you, mate? Yeah. Too much free time. You uh, got honest, these days. Honestly, I, I had to enjoy the two king of clickbaits uh, going at it. Clickbaits? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Don't know about that. So, sorry, Simon. I had to start on that. No. But you do have your similarities. Um, I thought, uh, yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it was a good fight. 
was a good fight. It was a good debate, I thought. It yeah. certainly I, had its yeah, moments, Callum. Of that, there is no doubt. Callum, we're, we're delighted you've you've made it because I know you, you are busy as hell at the moment, and I know that for a fact. So coming into the studio, you've managed to do it, and you're with us for the next hour. We're going to talk about your event last Friday night, which was uh, live on Channel 5. You've got another one coming up on Channel 5 this 1. Friday. 1.5 million viewers for boxing. Yes, indeed. 5. We are Good. going to get to Crystal that. It hasn't, hasn't gone unnoticed on us. The free-to-air uh, TV such as that fight on Friday night involving uh, Lyndon Arthur beating Boris Crichton. Um, sure, that it was due, it was due to fight... Uh, Suarez. Suarez for the for for uh, the vacant IBO light heavyweight championship. We'll get to that shortly. You've got another one coming up on Channel Five this Friday. We're going to talk all things Usyk Fury and the collapse of that. But when Eddie was in here last week, he spoke about the resurrection of the fight that never happened. And of course, we're talking about your fighter, Chris Eubank Jr. up against Conor Ben. Conor Ben failed not one but two drugs tests. And of course, it's had wide, wide publicity that. And the fight's been off. And ever since then, there has been no sign of it being back on. But then Eddie Hearn surprised us. Listen to this. I will look at fights for Conor Ben and I will make a decision on where that fight will take place. I will also actively speak to Connor and the British Boxing Board of Control about going through the process to ensure that he gets A, a fair hearing, and two, he tries to be able to box in this country. I do not want Connor Ben to fight around the world. I think this kid, who has got a good heart, and you know, yeah, re- re- regardless of people's opinion... we're looking opinion, at June, are we? We're looking at he'll be Pacquiao, back in, yeah, Pacquiao he'll be, and no, June. No, I don't think it will be back. Look, I, want him, you know, I, want to make the, I want to make the Chris Eubank Jr. fight. These guys have been going at it to each other the last couple of weeks. For me as a promoter, I know I know the build-up will be sensational. Smith, though, no, he's, not, he's not signed to fight Smith, no. no. And the money's two or three times what he'd get to fight Liam Smith. So, Carla, you were this live this uh, Tuesday lunchtime. A week on, where are you at with it? Is it Eddie surprised us all? Well, well let, 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 let's start with what was a, a statement um, from Eddie on this show, which... Uh, sort of like throwing a grenade amongst the pigeons and then doing a runner. You know, yes, we have been flirting around it. and We're not going to deny that. Yes, we have activated our rematch clause, subject to contract, which, of course, you know, like any business deal, um, We've been has, 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 uh, has things that need to be negotiated around the second fight. Some of those things are down to the commercial success of the first fight, which you look at then for the second fight. Those results actually are only incoming now. It was a pay That's, a, that's a Liam Fit, a Smith exactly. fight you're so, talking about. So, that's, you know, the, the fact that the Smith fight, people said that I got an interview last week, oh, it's taking so long. It's not taking so long. Hold on, right? It was a big fight. They've taken their time off. And yes, we've activated the rematch clause, subject to contract. We need to find a deal on the contract. So is it, not signed it's not announced let's put it that way but um that's that's business on our side you could pay and step aside money for that though couldn't you you could one? you could pay step aside money from that position couldn't you if yeah, you wanted not, not if you wanted that. chris if, to fight if, if if the contract's not right the contract's not mm. right do you so want chris to could, fight Conor ben, ben that's what it boils down to do you want him to fight ben um, in the summer as any i'm suggesting you know what what i want is for junior to put things right with smith and to fight Ben. How that how that works, time will tell. And it won't be long because you, there's things coming. He wants to fight in in June. Um, what fight? And, and exactly. And currently, Smith. Smith is all that. That's, Chris we Eubank do not does. Have, I can categorically say right now, we have not had one formal proposal 
from Matchroom side yet. Uh, we have had a discussion, but we are aligned right now to fight Smith at this moment in time. Well, you what, said, what does Chris want? Chris right now, you know, he's, he's a fighter, so he concentrates what's actually on the table. What's on the table right now is Liam Smith. So that's what he's focused on. And spoke to him last week. He's in Vegas. So is Eddie talking rubbish? in the gym there. He's not talking rubbish. He's doing what Eddie does. You know, he's putting it out there. It's a big fight. He's trying to promote his guy. I get it. Um, you know, whether Conor Ben's got a big heart or not, that's not my business. Mm-hmm. Uh, my business is the Chris Eubank Jr. business. But we all remember, Simon and I spoke to Chris Eubank Sr. around the time of the Conor Ben fight. And Eubank Sr., I mean, it hit every headline that interview because he, in no uncertain terms, did not want Jr. to fight Conor Ben. Um, because of the situation around it and the bulk of Ben, etc., etc., And there were, there were all sorts of um, dangers involved as far as Senior was concerned about his son. Would you let your fighter, Eubank Jr., go in against Conor Ben, Calla, even if at that time in the summer, Conor Ben has at that stage still not proven his innocence? I would look at two things. I'd look at, the first thing you'd look at is what's the testing on the fight? That's the first thing. What is it? It's got to be a sanctioned fight, obviously. Yeah, um, that's clear. Um, sanctioned by who? Well, it has to be sanctioned where where the where the governing bodies allow it. Um, it's, that's clearly in the UK a big issue at the moment. Um, you know, that's not our issue. Uh, that's well, their so if issue. So, if it was sanctioned overseas, you'd let Junior fight. That would ben. depend. That would depend where it is and who the sanctioning bodies are, and who the most importantly for me is who the testing bodies are. Okay. Well, let's assume that all of those things tick the boxes, and we all know that if he, without with no allegations intended, cycles have changed. If if there's still cycles of problems for Conor Ben, there'd be something completely deranged if there was anything to, that he was found guilty of that he has been yeah. at currently. You would put him into a fight. You'd put Chris Eubank Junior into a fight with Conor Ben if the, say the Saudis put up the money for it and it was a meaningful fight, i.e. economically. And ultimately the testing regimes were significant, which we would expect it to be. You'd put him into that fight, would you? I would imagine that he'd be the most tested fighter on the planet. But would um, you understand I that? I would put him in that fight, yes. Okay. So if, every, if, if Junior was happy and everything so else So would you was be comfortable? Right? Would you be comfortable taking Chris Eubank Jr. to the British Boxing Board of Control and asking them to give them their permission, which they have to give, mm. to Eubank to fight somewhere else. You'd be comfortable to do that. Well, I'll come back, uh, say a little point on one thing that I picked up on your piece last week with Eddie, and this is a point that we're looking at at the moment, is you mentioned when they were informed. Yep. Yeah. When was I informed? When were we, sorry, when I, when I say I, 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 I mean me I asked junior. why you weren't informed on August the 23rd. Yes, you did. And they said that confidentiality prohibited you from being informed. Yeah. Is that true? That's well. To this day, we don't know because we never received well, you, but you that know result. The w, you know the clean testing boxing so, regime. So just, just, just taking that for a second. Should I then go to the board, which I still feel has done wrong by us yep. by not informing us, not informing us, like everyone else in the dark? We were in the dark. I need to make that very, very. But clear. you know the rules, right? So why would I worry so much about this board who's kept us in the dark? Well, let me ask you a question. Then I'll ask you the question. Chris Eubank is in good standing with the British Boxing Board of Control. He's a licensed British box. Let me finish the point, then you can kill me or cure me, right? <laughs> He's licensed by the British Boxing Board of Control. Correct. In order for him to fight somewhere else, he has to have the British Boxing Board of Control's permission under Rule 5.15, right? Correct. So if he doesn't get their permission, he will then put himself in jeopardy of being in disrepute and not be able to fight on these shores if they take his license away. 
Yes. Why would you want to put him in that situation would, to fight would, a fighter would, that's in bad standing? I would go to the board with our argumentations and, you know, we, we take it from there. Okay. But right now, Simon, but why would you want that to do isn't that? really top of my list to make the board happy when the board, I think, still owe us a lot of, a again, lot of answers. Well, I'll ask you the question because you, so guys, you, guys tell like, people, you guys tell people like me that I don't know what I'm talking about, right? No, so, I don't, I've, so I've never said your, that. Your, exper never your said experience that. is this. I've never said that. The WBC's clean boxing... Have I said that? No, you haven't. No, no you haven't. But let's go to the point. The WBC's boxing, clean boxing uh, position has regulations attached to it. If you don't know it, why don't you know it? So the point is, under the auspice of a, of a test that, uh, that um, Chris, uh, Conor Ben took, yeah. I was told by Eddie that you're not entitled to know because of confidentiality, right? Yeah. Right. That confidentiality would apply to the British Boxing Board of Control as well. So you don't have a fight with a British Boxing Board of Control. You have a fight with a confidentiality of a rule that you already know. So does the Clean Boxing... Uh, commission or the clean boxing test have a confidentiality clause which prohibits you from knowing a fighter that you're going to fight against has failed a drugs test. Is that true? That is true. So then and, you have no issue with a British boxing board control, just do you? A second. There is yes, but there is then the second date. Yeah, when we were informed, September twenty third. When we, when we right? were informed, and we went to the board and said, "Talk to us. Talk to us as the agreed party. Just talk to yep. us." And we were referred to lawyers. That is for me. Not a way to deal with an athlete. Forget the promote. Forget the money. Think about the the, the athlete and the athletes making weight, sparring. I agree with you. You know that's so, why. That, so, that's so why, why I should I now question. be so concerned about my my standing with the board? Okay, that, so so, so the, uh, the, the problem, not your standing, Chris Eubank Junior. Would you do you think Chris Eubank Junior. is best served by being able to fight on these shores? Because I think he's a British fighter. I think he should be able to fight without, the British Isles. So if you if you go to the British Boxing Board of Control that you're all saying has done something wrong, I'm not suggesting they have or they haven't, right? But we all know, despite the protestations, that the moment Conor Ben failed his test, lawyers came at the British Boxing Board of Control. Whether they should have been stronger or not is a different discussion. You weren't told on the 23rd of September, uh, August, because you're telling me that confidentiality prohibits you from being told. So you've got no argument there. You were told on the 23rd because it was a different testing regime. It was a fight test. Just a second time. There comes into There's also a second part of this the confidentiality yes there's also when you're running a, a show together yeah. you expect then that the other side the ben side and i'm not even i can't say it's whether it's matchroom ben i don't know where that correspondence went to that we should have been informed at that time but at least at least had a plan b so he can't fight we could have fought someone else but what, but Eddie said he couldn't do that. All, okay, but, but the, board, you, the, but board, the board should have spoken to the WBC and made a positive decision in a right way, in a transparent but way. We you can't argue cry, both but, ways, can you? Sorry, 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 but we all cry for transparency. Why were we kept in the dark for that period of time? Ask Eddie. By the board. 100% engagement. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back each weekday to bring you the best of the show.